gaming. Yep, gaming. There haven't really been any big games since Dark Souls. Am I right? <laughs> so true. Yeah, exactly. No, it's been a real desert, um, which is a shame for the people who enjoy this shabby little hobby, this little sicko pastime. Here's a little idea for you. Thought bubble for the gamers in our audience. Put the controller down. Get yourself cleaned up. Go outside. Give your mum a call. She misses you. How long has it been since you gave her a call? Mm. Sitting there on wow. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to say, James. Oh, Raf. Gamers. Gamers of the world unite. Gamers of the world unite. Down round is finally shining a light. We're acknowledging you. We see you. We hear you. We respect... Uh, respect whatever choices you happen to make. Totally. Uh, whatever way you choose to spend your time and your money. With you 100%. We're very consumer-oriented. Yeah. As are gamers. Yep. Very passionate about the consumer. Yeah. We believe in integrity in gaming journalism or whatever. Uh, yeah, we do. Big, big... Uh, into that. We want to make sure that when a game is given an 8.5, it earned that 8.5 yeah. from IGN.com or, or whatever it is. Um, Kotaku. <laughs> no, we are talking about gaming today because, you know, we've kind of alluded to it a few times over the course of Down Round history, talked about game streaming, talked about the metaverse. We haven't really tackled the gaming industry. Mm. We talk um, about the app economy to a certain extent. That's true. No, but, you know, we're just, we're, we're fussing around the edges mm. because it is one of the most important industries in tech in the world in the world yeah absolutely if you were to name the th- top three important industries i reckon it would go gaming one mm-hmm. natural resources yeah two like resources mining three logistics that's true that yeah. basically describes the entire world exactly uh, yeah if it's not logistics or or natural resources it's it's a form of gaming it's gaming it's, or as we've discussed previously affiliate it's affiliate marketing it's either affiliate marketing or it's gaming no, so obviously gaming is massive industry. And let's be honest, it is one of the sort of key ingredients of the, I think, sort of the tech advancements of the last 20 years. I think once we once we get a few decades away from now, we look back. For example, the huge advances in video card and graphics technology over the past 20 years have basically been driven by consumer demand for more realistic and exciting games. Mm. And now like GPUs, drive like the AI revolution for processing and um, I was going to say crypto as well, but I guess that maybe isn't a net benefit to human culture. But, you know, the technology gets dragged forward by what the what the gamers want. Mm. But no, we wanted to talk about gaming because also it's a really interesting business that's undergoing like a bunch of different changes and running into a number of challenges with how they organize things, which are kind of telling about the rest of the, the tech world and business more generally, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So... We'll start by talking about the way that games have been sort of made and sold for, in general, for the past 30 years, essentially. So what's the traditional business model of gaming? Yeah. You're a big gaming head. I'm a, I'm a huge gamer. It's my every waking thought. So the traditional like model of, of game development and, and sales and, and marketing and what have you is that gaming started on personal computers and in arcades and things like that. Um, and spawning out from that was the outgrowth of you have... If you're not gaming on a personal computer, you know most game sales now happen via consoles. And for decades and decades now, we've had a situation where companies like Nintendo and um, Microsoft and Sony will make a console. Nintendo ones and your PlayStation, your Xbox, um, they'll sell it 
are usually at a loss at the beginning, sometimes a fairly substantial loss because mm. uh, they'll make it back on game licensing and subscriptions and what have you. And normally kind of like around the middle of the console's life cycle, they'll start making money on them once parts get cheaper. And then game studios of varying sizes and publishers will work to produce content for them, everything from like little indie games, which are made of teams of only a handful of people and have really small budgets, up to what are called AAA games. What I was more getting at is just like in the past, you make a game and then you sold it on a disc and people paid a hundred bucks for it. <laughs> yeah, so you exactly. But I do appreciate the, you know, the, the context. The, the content. <laughs> but it does it does essentially come down to that. They still do get sold this way, but the cost sort of goes up every generation. Mm. So the you know the current if you have a game now that comes out on PS Five or Hogwarts, yeah, whatever it may be, those um they're normally costing like one hundred and twenty bucks now. Um, outrageous outrageous but that was kind of the way that you always did it a few things kind of shook that up uh the the first was digital distribution you know being able to buy games directly from sony mm. or directly from microsoft via basically in an app store by in, a, in an app store and they were kind of pretty quick off the gun in terms of that kind of digital distribution mm. um, in terms of big software projects. I have a question go ahead because I'm sure there are people out there like me so I haven't got a ps5 yeah. Actually, I will just quickly say a quick like, diversion. Yeah. The size of it actually does turn people like me off. I'm not a gamer. Not anymore. I used to be a gamer. Now I'm across it. Now it's just a little thing that you might do, but you wouldn't define yourself. Exactly. It's a thing I might do. I was actually playing Mario on Switch with my daughter just yesterday. She's the hat and I'm Mario, uh-huh. which is great. But anyway, um, I don't want a huge PS5. No, they there. are huge. I have a PS5 and it's a, it's a big bit of kit. Like I want it kind of to fit in the cabinet, yeah. quite a nice kind of wooden Scandinavian cabinet, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. They, they, it's big and so is the the Xbox. They're statement pieces. They really do scream, you know, I'm a gamer. Yeah. This is a priority for me in my life. Which, so for, for those of us who it's less of a priority and it's more of a casual, filthy casuals. Yeah, sure. But like the most casual casual, that actually is some friction. But what I was going to ask is if I buy a PS5, do all my PS4 games that, that I bought digitally? Yeah, they come over. They come over? They come over, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, back, they're backwards compatible. But um, if I buy a PS5 that's the digital only version, all my physical ones are obviously rendered useless. Correct. Yeah. You have to get the, the CD one, which costs an extra 200 Blu ray Blu ray drive. I'm, I'm getting all my, my formats mixed up. It's an extra like yeah, 150 or 200 bucks Australian. Yeah. So the digital distribution shook all that up. You know, one of the big uh, revolutions was that Valve, the company that makes you know, Half Life and Team Fortress and those games, released uh, Steam. Which is probably like in the whole world of like digital distribution, one of the more successful ones. It was a big move. It was a huge move. Uh, they marketplaceized their own business. Yeah, and now and they dominate. They dominate now to this day, and this has been running for you know twenty years, I would say. Very early on, the selling skins as well. Yeah, doing and skin marketplaces do, and do, doing yeah like DLC or different sorts of little bits. Now there's Loot a bunch, boxes. Bunch, bunch of companies, including Microsoft and Epic, trying to like do all sorts of things to take away from Steam's market share on PC, but they can't really put a dent in it. It's still the center of the PC gaming universe, if that's what you're all about. Steam being, if you're not familiar yet, now you can go into Steam and buy basically any computer game. Not any computer game, but like most computer games, if you're an indie developer, you can put your computer game yep. up on Steam and gamers can play it. Yep. And if uh, it's an app store. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's an another app store. app store. It's an app store, but if, if you're an indie developer, chances are that you live and die by Steam and how well your game is placed on Steam. And if you're in the process of making it, 
and you're like getting people hyped for it, you need people to be like hitting the the love heart wish list button mm. on Steam and saying they're excited for it. Yeah, that's like one of your key metrics. And that's what with community, I guess. It's, yeah, because it's, it's got all the community features, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, so anyway, it, friends, it's, it's kind of cool. It shook it up. It it sort of forced Sony and Xbox and to really put a lot of effort into their own digital distribution. What that means is that storefronts, like physical storefronts, we're used to buy games from. EB Games. EB Games. Uh, GameStop. Yeah. Well, EB Games is owned by GameStop, would you believe? I do believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, it's, really, it's, not, it's not an unbelievable fact. Um, <laughs> if you go into an EB Games now, and I'd counsel you not to do that. But what happens if I want like a plush Pikachu? Well, <laughs> well, that's it. Well, that's what you're in there for because that's what their business model is now. A Mercy figurine. Yeah. they <laughs> Like a, a Zelda shirt. They've expanded their remit into being like a pop culture store where you can buy Funko Pops and shit like that. Yeah. Because no one is, well, people obviously still do buy physical games. They like having them, mm. but it's increasingly not the way that people do things. So, yeah, that was the thing for a while. It's kind of quaint, the model in a way, with you know the Xbox and PlayStation. They'll do a big song and dance and release a new model. They're like, all right, the PS5 is coming and the PS5 is released. And they expect that machine, that gigantic blocky machine mm. that announces to the world, I'm a gamer, I game. Yeah. Um, they want that to like be in your home and lasting for seven or eight years, which is pretty wild because there's not that many like devices no. that are like that. Even like a car. That's about a car's yeah. length of time. It, they're thinking in like washing machine terms, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, rather than like an iPhone or whatever. Yeah. And and it's kind of funny because an iPhone costs like more than a these days costs. Obviously, you get it as part of a contract. Mm. It's rare for you to have the same phone for like four years, four yeah. or five years, uh, and they expect these. No offense. <laughs> if you're still rocking an iPhone 11, I respect you. Actually, well, that's too that's too new. Is, is it? What are we up to? Uh, 15, Fifteen? Yeah. 15. They really got to find a new naming convention for them. Yeah, it's too they hard to keep up. Well, go with the year. Like, what are we in now? Twenty three. Just skip to twenty four. Yeah, exactly. Just go through. That's or okay. whatever. Just just keep it up with the years so we don't have to remember. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the expectation is that you'll have this machine in there for that long and that technology will no doubt advance and games will look better and better and better, but they still have to be made to work on this box that's potentially six or seven years old. Yeah. Obviously, it's different if you're a PC gamer, if you like building your own thing and buying graphic cards, graphics cards and shit, but statistically, they are a smaller part of the... The gaming world. The Most real gamers are a smaller part. That's true. How sad is that? Yeah. How, how sad? <laughs> than these noob sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would say that, wouldn't they? You don't have a PC? Uh, I don't, actually. I'm a, I'm a Mac user. Mm. Not, not really for gamers. It's more for creative professionals, <laughs> guys who make spreadsheets. Actually, that's not even true. If emails. You're, if you're a real spreadsheet guy, you are on PC. You're on PCs. No, Macs are strictly an emailing Google Sheets guy. And a kind of an Adobe, I suppose. Yeah, if you exactly. Yeah. You have a creative adjacent. Or if you're you, an Adobe head, you're probably on a Mac. <laughs> so true. But you're not you're not playing the, the latest and greatest from many of the world's great game publishers. No, I do remember back in the day though, that the one thing Mac you could play was Age of Empires two on Mac. Well, you probably don't remember. It's you're a, a bit you're a bit younger than me. I, I I remember Age of Empires two vividly, actually. And I remember getting Age of Empires one in a box of cornflakes. Remember that promotion? Physical games. Anyway. But yeah, so consoles, okay, you bought the game, consoles started at a loss, they knew that they could get licensing fees, royalties. Now, all of a sudden, mobile phones come along. Yep. Mobile phones come along, mobile gaming 
comes yeah. along with it with the App Store. Which, by the way, first the App Store came out. A, obviously, people were like, "Ooh, a dollar ninety five for this drinking a beer app." You know, where you tilt your phone and the beer goes. That's genius a, shit. There's got to be there's got to be people out there that have got like generational money from like. Tilt the phone to make the or like a lightsaber. Yeah, lightsaber jewel. So there, yeah. there are guys that you know their grandchildren will be rich from that because <laughs> they made that up. But then, like, oh, it was pretty controversial because like the first FIFA for mobile was like thirteen bucks. You know, that's pretty expensive for a damn mobile game. Yeah, but it, they were obviously aping the traditional way that you sell. Yeah, games, yeah, which is so there was a weird overlap period because obviously mobile gaming has been a thing forever. You know, you could play. Snake on your your Nokia. Yeah, Snake One, Snake Two. Yeah, I think they stopped there, which is good because you know you don't want to cheapen the brand by going on the Snake Three. But it really exploded with the App Store, which I don't think was necessarily Apple's intention. They didn't really expect that was going to happen. No, well, I mean, famously, Steve Jobs didn't want there to be third party apps, and he had to be convinced of it by well, one person being Tim Cook. Tim Cook was very pro, like, no, come on, Steve, we've got to let other people put yeah. apps up here. We'll make the revenue and. Um, Steve was like, no, we must keep the Apple experience premium or whatever. Tim Cook won and it proved to probably be a pretty good idea. Yeah. No, and it has led to this weird position where Apple are now basically, if you look at things objectively, one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. Even though Macs are not used for gaming, they don't have a console. And they've objectively always been shit at gaming. They just don't have the culture. Yeah, they don't really care about it. Right now they're trying to, because one of the things, this is a little bit of a digression, but one of the things that made... You know, Microsoft really leaned into it. They saw that that's what people were using PCs for in the in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, and they absolutely leant into it. They well, they did- also would have been realized that like, hold on, Steam is now lapping us on our own machines. Well, it was even kind of before that because they started building like DirectX, which is like a bundle of True. drivers into the Windows operating system. And Apple has only kind of in the past five years really started doing that mm. years and years later to make it easier for developers to actually make games. Anyway, so yeah, Apple is now, as I said, objectively one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. It's one of the chief revenue drivers of the App Store. And, you, you know, if you open up the App Store now, like one of the tabs down the bottom, you've got like your featured, your apps, your charts, games. Games has got its own like big button because mm-hmm. that's what people use it for. And yeah, initially they were kind of stuck in that old model where it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll try to charge a certain amount of money for the game, with the idea being that if we sell enough of the game at that price, we'll cover our development costs and, you know, hopefully more because mm. that's what the economy is built on. And there are still games that get released on mobile with that model, but the dominant sort of model on the App Store now is free-to-play. Yeah. You, know, you download the game, it lets you play, it might be like overflowing with ads or make you wait for things or all sorts of like little monetization tactics with the goal of you get it on your phone, it's on your phone, you're playing it and you just pay for extra content. Yeah. You know, you pay to remove ads, you pay for little gems that you can use to speed up or get better at the game. Yeah, yeah, upgrade your gear and whatnot. Exactly. You know, your your Candy Crush uh, monetization model. And that was basically born in mobile apps, which are I'm pretty sure objectively the most played games on the planet. Yeah. Contrary to what the stereotype of gamers is, actually, well, actually, Uh the average gamer is a 35-year-old woman because of mobile games. Yeah. So uh, that helped supercharge the traditional gaming industry because they were like, oh, fuck, you know, we charge 100 bucks for a game, people that we pump an insane amount of money into, but this seems to be the 
the way of the future. Previously, I spent a hundred bucks on a game. You know, it's release week, it's release kind of quarter or six months. You have this inflow of shitloads of money. Don't get me wrong; it's like it's a lot of money. A lot of people paying a hundred bucks is great. I then basically can't get more revenue off that user until I release a new game or maybe like early days it was expansion pack, you know, an extra 20 bucks maybe from that user for an expansion pack or what have you. But then it's like when I release another game, I have to hope that I get all those users and ideally some more to pay again. But you can't basically make any more money off those people other than the most hardcore weirdos, yeah, by merchandising. But um, other than that, um, so you're really hoping that in six years time, seven years time that, You've got a hit on your hands as opposed to, yeah, someone downloads the app and you're getting money off them every week. Yeah. Well, buying gems. Yeah. 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 The phenomena that sort of emerged in tandem with this stuff, which kind of drives the economics of the gaming industry, is the fact that as time has gone on, what they call AAA video games, which is the blockbusters, Mm. they borrow that terminology from credit ratings, which is a nice little. Fact for you, AAA games are like the ones that you would think. It's like you know, ones you see on the side of buses. Your, your, your Call of Duties. It's your um, your big PlayStation games like The Last of Us. You know, they got this show on HBO at the moment. These are your AAA games. They have teams that make them, which are at least a few hundred people, often more. They cost at least tens of millions of dollars to make. Again, often more. Then the most expensive game in history was Grand Theft Auto V, which um, cost two hundred and sixty million dollars to make all up which would put it at like the top end of the most expensive films to ever make as well. It did become the largest entertainment product ever. I don't think it's been surpassed. Like bigger than any movie, bigger than any, I was about to say book, but <laughs> obviously. <laughs> bigger than, bigger than, than any books. tweet. <laughs> no, I'm not mine, brother. Um, <laughs> you have had some big ones. Yeah, I know. Tr- tr- true. So they're getting more and more expensive. They take longer and longer to make. So then this is running into problems with the the cycle of, releasing consoles as well. As an example, if you were at like a big game publisher now and you're like, I want to make Grand Theft Auto 6, which they're making anyway, but you want to make, you've got an idea for a game, you've got all, you're going to enter pre-production and you enter now, you wouldn't be making it for the PS5, which only came out, you know, two years ago. You'd be making it for the next one, basically, because it's going to take you four to five years to get that out the door, Mm. which is wild. Like, you know, movies don't take that long to make. Almost no other um, media takes that long to make. No, music certainly doesn't. No, exactly right. I make a remix every bloody podcast. (laughs) That's true, exactly. The the output is, is phenomenal. But, yeah, so that creates problems where you really can only put that much money into something which is going to be a sure bet. You're making the new Call of Duty. Mm. which every, like, 22-year-old dude is going to purchase. Yeah. You know, you're making first-party PlayStation games where people know who's making it and they're keen for it. Assassin's Creed. Yeah, Assassin's Creed. They have an Assassin's Creed that comes out every year. I, Co- I assume they're just basically reskinning that in some ways, like, you know, in, in the short cycles at least. Yeah, well, Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty and stuff are the ones that I actually kind of explain the whole system because they're made by the biggest gaming companies in the world. Ubisoft makes Assassin's Creed. Activision Blizzard makes um, Call of Duty. And these games, they, the one comes out every single year. But for that to work, they have to have a different studio working on. They've got like four of them on the boil at once. Yeah. And they just go in like an endless cycle of pumping them out. Just thinking about the numbers I was talking about, the cost overhead for that is absurd. Yeah. And they can only do it because they know everyone's going to buy the new fucking Assassin's Creed. And they've also innovated on the business model and borrowed from mobile gaming. So this is the this is the thing that we were, we were getting at before. The mobile gaming mechanics over the past 10 years, maybe a little bit more, have sort of infiltrated 
the console and PC gaming world, mostly in the form of, oh, shit, we can make our game either free or not cost very much and then just, like, bleed people for this extra content, Mm. microtransactions. And there are two ways to do that. I think we've talked about this in the pod before. One way you can charge to make the game easier or better, pay to win, as they call it. Yeah. And the other one is just let you buy swag, basically. You've got Fortnite. Fortnite's a free game, but it still pulls in like a billion dollars a year. And it's all from people buying like swaggy new hats for their Fortnite guy. Yeah, cool skins. Yeah, skins. Or you can buy like skins for your like assault rifle in Call of Duty Warzone. So you've got like a sick graffiti skull on the side of your flash cut off. So CEO of Unity, former CEO of EA. I don't know his name. But whatever, maybe you do. John Ricciatello. John Ricciatello, yeah. Okay, you know his name. Good. So devs that focus on the creative process are the most beautiful and pure, brilliant people. They're also some of the biggest fucking idiots if they're not considering microtransactions from the outset. Basically, that's the mentality. If you're not considering microtransactions from the outset, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, that stings. You know, I'm rarely thinking about microtransactions in my life. Am I an idiot? How can we microtransaction down round? If you could change our voices or something. That could be cool. Like make us sound like Joe Biden or something, one of those little AI generators. Maybe maybe you can pay $1.19 per episode to just like switch our opinion to the opposite one. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if if I say something that you, the listener, don't agree with, that's fine. You can pay $1.20 and just flip it. I'll, I'll, I'll explain the opposite opinion. Yeah. You can do it straight from the Downright app. Yeah. Sydney, James, but opposite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. But I think it's it's definitely something you should be thinking about because we're not idiots. No. No, exactly. But yeah, so that's kind of the, the way it's gone. And the weird contradiction of the game industry is that over the, over the past 10 years, they've tried to ram various versions of this throughout. But gamers, notoriously the most obstinate and outspoken and just constantly pissed off consumer demographic. Yep. They're very passionate about their hobby. Yes. And they, as a result, they get very mad about anything they think sort of cheapens it. Mm. Overuse of micro tra- transactions and downloadable content. There's been like a backlash to that. There are people always really mad about, you know, being bled for money. The, the, the sort of uh, the example that always comes up was like one of the very first paid DLCs that was marketed as like a paid downloadable content, which was uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Mm. They sold for like $5. A downloadable pack that would just put armor on your horse. No, nice, so that's a horse, right. Yeah, you had a horse that was it was called horse armor, and they cost like I think it was like seven dollars. So like they still hadn't worked out pricing. Mm. If you did that now, it'd be a dollar, mm. and you'd probably get away with it if you mm. fight. But back then, it was new and novel, and it didn't even make your horse more defended. It was purely aesthetic, mm. and gamers were like, "This is, you know, this is an Enron level scandal to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucked up." And the other one that came up a lot that people got pissed off at was loot boxes. Yeah. That's like an ongoing controversy. And they're sort of being phased out. So a loot box was basically like you would pay $2 to, or maybe more, to, I don't know, Call of Duty Warzone or, you know, one one of these online multiplayer games. And you would get a mystery box that had a few items in it. You might get a new hat for your guy. You might get some tokens for something. You might get whatever. It was like the Pokemon card booster pack. Model? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's gambling. It's gambling. It was literally gambling. And now, basically, all these governments have kind of sat up and been like, this is gambling, and we're yeah. going to actually regulate it like gambling. Yeah. And all the companies are like, no. Which, again, this is something that all gamers, well, I say all gamers hated, but the loudest gamers hated, while I assume plenty of them were just 
churning out for these loot boxes. Oh, certainly. For the, I mean, for the, for the you know the the thrill of the dice. I mean, it's, it was a big it's a big genre on Twitch, right? Is like I spent five thousand dollars on like the most expensive loot box pack, and I'm doing a twelve hour stream where I just open every single one. Yeah, and people love watching that shit. Obviously, you know, it's kids mostly that want to buy this stuff. So I get why the local digital regulators are not super keen on it. Well, yeah, gambling for children. <laughs> yeah. And I think like the whole aesthetic mod marketplace they have in in things like Fortnite has kind of supplanted it. They've figured out, okay, it's like this metaverse thing where it's like if we get fucking Balenciaga to make a shirt mm. for your cool Fortnite cowboy. We that, can sell it. That's yeah. better. We can just sell that for enough money that... As I said, Epic Games are, I think, one of the most interesting tech companies full stop. Yeah, you know they they make Unreal Engine, which is kind of the a game engine is sort of the tool set you use to make games, and they've sort of really supercharged this whole model, and now they're absolutely massive, and they're fighting Apple in court to get their share or whatever, or make sure Apple doesn't take money from them. They set Fortnite up like a TV like a TV show where there's different seasons, and it's it's the same game, but then like things change throughout. Mm. It's a clever way of doing it, and it's really been super. Yeah, Martin Luther King Day, etc. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they have little little events. Uh, they had the Travis Scott concert in there and the Ariana Grande concert, which are all you know kind of cool shared experiences or whatever. But back to the business, yeah. ones and zeros. That's what it's all about. Black numbers, red numbers. As long as the numbers are black, it's good news. But um, obviously, that business model has worked a treat for uh, Fortnite, where they basically make all their money off skins that don't actually affect the gameplay. Yeah. Quite brilliant. Um, or you subscribe to get cheaper skins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the issue being, as you say, that's kind of infiltrating these AAA games. Like the the big, pure games, like your Skyrims or what have you, The Witcher, which really the only money you could make off them other than the sticker price is expansion packs, which like I've got no problem with expansion packs costing more. Is that bad? I feel like that's fine. Uh, yeah, that's fine. As like, long as the game itself it's, is still like... It's normally fine. The, the thing that games get mad about is they assume that the developer is like withheld content. Yeah. They're always like, oh, you know, they could have put that in the main game, but they just cut it out and charge more for it later because they're unscrupulous or whatever. But, you know, if it's good content, whatever. They factor it into the um, revenue that they will be able to generate in the long term and uh, so that allows them to create it. But anyway, whatever. I expect that in the future... Every game will have some kind of expandable content, being it just like purely aesthetic, like skins, etc. All, all the Assassin's Creed games. I mean, the Assassin's it. Creed, it's terrible. That's pay to win, though. That's no, like they have they have that, but they also have you can buy new outfits for your assassin guy. Yeah, but it doesn't. You know, the reason the Fortnite one works is that you play with people, other people, and yeah. people see that you have that sick Balenciaga shirt. Same thing in in Assassin's Creed, right? Where it's like, oh, okay, you can buy you know, more whatever doubloons in order to upgrade your ship so your ship's better so you don't have to bother just grinding your ship. But it's like it's a single-player game. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't – I'm just paying to skip forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm paying to skip forward or I'm paying for, like, this sick, like, assassin hood and it's like only you can see it in your lounge room as you play. The annoying thing, though, there, at least with the, like, the non-aesthetic um, ones in the single-player games is the incentive there for Assassin's Creed is, like, you can't keep up with the story. You have to grind. You have to grind in order to earn the doubloons, in order to upgrade your ship. Like they want it to yeah. be more and more annoying to advance through the story and up. And they want you to kind of always be slightly behind so that it's more enticing for you to then 
put money in to upgrade your ship faster so you stop being frustrated by yeah, yeah, yeah. like the grind. Yeah. That's an annoying incentive for the game developers to intentionally basically make the game dynamics worse. Yeah, no, and uh, Ubisoft, who make Assassin's Creed, French company, they often get called out for doing the most like irritating DLC like that, like pay-to-win sort of shitty stuff. I think they kind of graduated a bit away from it because it became clear that it just like annoyed people and bounced them off there. And the thing about Ubisoft, it's very clear that their strategy in their recent batch of games is like, let's make these games like fucking long, like to do all the content in the latest Assassin's Creed or whatever, which I didn't play, but a lot of people didn't like, was like over 130, 140 hours or something. Mm. And as a consumer, you're like, oh shit, yeah, I I pay 100 bucks and I get 130 hours of entertainment. That's Do pretty, the math. That's pretty good. But then it turns out a lot of that's really tedious and you've got to grind and go through a lot of boring stuff to get to it. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of fluffed out and which encourages that kind of like pay to win mechanic that people use. It's interesting. The, the other side of it, which I probably should have mentioned, is that a lot of these mechanics have really infiltrated um, loot boxes, all that kind of stuff, infiltrated like sports games. Because when it comes down to it, you can talk about all these exciting artistic and wonderful game projects that get made, but the vast majority of, like, PS5s and Xboxes out in the world are just, like, FIFA machines, like FIFA and COD. Mm. They're just dudes playing those two games and just will just buy every one that comes out. Um, sports games are absolutely, like, massive. The licensing deals between sports leagues and the companies that make the games are, like, the biggest media deals in the world. The licensing rights for, like, the the game version of FIFA are like the biggest asset that FIFA has, full stop. Almost more important to them than their broadcast rights, basically. Um, and they just took it away from EA last year. Yeah, which also speaks to more broadly that idea of the position that games ho- hold culturally in society is not at level with financially or from a business perspective, or I guess from like even a, I mean, it means the same thing, but like the penetration perspective in that games, as you said, are way bigger than movies, yet we don't have a televised Oscars or whatever, Golden Globes. I don't I don't watch movies either, so I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> for games. No, th- you said, well, that's the thing. They do. Well, no one gives a fuck. No, no, I said televised. No, it's, it's, it's all Twitch streamed. It's, it's, it's streamed on Twitch. I, it had, they made a big song and dance this year about how the Game Awards, which is the, the game one, had more viewers than the, the Oscars across like YouTube and Twitch and whatever, which is almost certainly true. But- they can't get over the fact that they are cringe. Yeah. Like it's a, well, they're not celebrities is the thing, right? No, like, no, well, they're not celebrities. And also, like, you know, you watch the Game Awards and it's kind of like a, which I, I saw a bit of, and it's a real, like, um, a lot of guys wearing cheap blazers over white T-shirts. With sneakers. With sneakers. That's like, oh, yeah. That's, real year 10 with, formal with like With, like, long hair and beards. Like, they're the guys that are doing the presenting instead of, like, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess they could probably rock that look, just just yeah. put it out there. The huge like financials are not really parallel with the cultural impact, which also kind of annoys gamers, I think, to think that their hobby makes so much money and it's so important, but it doesn't get the, the shouts it deserves. I was talking about to this before, the, the CEO of EA, Electronic Arts, one of the biggest gaming companies in the world, is Australian, like a relatively young Australian guy, which would make him one of the most prominent kind of like Australian CEOs mm. of like a global business, but no one really ever talks about him in Australia. No. Um, he's also a, a stone cold killer and a weirdo. Hmm. So maybe that plays into it. You watch any video of him, he's got like, I don't know, I can't describe. He's got like weird wide staring eyes and like sweaty energy. 
He's got a real Geelong grammar kind of vibe about him. Oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's going on there. But the the future of kind of games, the two kind of things that get talked about a lot, one we've talked about a bit, which is VR, which I think kind of falling flat a bit. Yeah, uh, it's too annoying. Yeah. How do you move around? I know they're trying to make it track your eyeballs and stuff, even that's weird. Also, pretty simple question, like climbing a ladder. <laughs> you see Come this? On. Like you you gotta climb a ladder, like and do like oop 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 do I'm doing the ladder motion yeah, with my can, hands. Yeah. Everyone at home, let's all do it together. You you might be on the bus. Yeah. Let's all do the ladder cl- climbing cl- motion. Cl- climbing ladders is absolutely integral to, to games. And like doing that in VR is so annoying. I would rather push a joystick up. Yep. And maybe hold down a button. Maybe. There's an incredible amount of ladder climbing games. they got to get it right somehow. <laughs> anyway, yeah, like they've been trying to get VR off the ground for a while and the new Oculus came out, the new PlayStation VR is coming out. There was a new story that Sony had like really turned down their initial order for the amount of VR2s mm. they were going to build. Because, again, it turns out, yes, there are some people that absolutely love VR stuff, but for a lot of people it doesn't quite connect. It's almost like, you know, remember the those dark days when all these people had fucking Guitar Hero controllers? Yes. And like the like the drums when they brought like the Guitar Hero drums and shit? Well, see, I've always been excluded to a certain extent from like a certain type of gathering when it used to be, oh, should we get out the Guitar Hero? And it's like, no, I don't know how to play that game. I don't want to. Like after Mario Kart, basically after Mario Kart, I was out. And then it turned into like not a few years ago, like FIFA. And it's like... The last FIFA I played was FIFA 98 and it was sick, but like the last FIFA I played, you could press a button and it would like, like a shoot button and it would just aim at goal. Like you didn't have yeah, to yeah, aim. Yeah. You didn't have to aim. You could just press shoot and didn't know where you were on the field. It would like kick it towards the goal. Then all of a sudden they made it so you had to aim and shoot. This is it I, lost me. I played like a, a shitload of like NBA Live 2003 back in the day. Mm. That like huge fan of that game. And then every time I've been like, oh shit, I should check out the new like NBA 2K game. I should check out NBA 2K 2022. And I pick it up and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you, the, A, they've made the game so much more complicated to play. Yeah. There's no more press A button. Then there's all this story mode stuff where, you like, your guy has to hang around in, like, Nike sponsorship offices and shit. It's kind of, it's kind of like, dystopian. Like, yeah. literally, it's like, you know, you're a little guy walking around in the city. He's like, come on, bro. The boy, the guys from Nike want to meet you. And then you got to sit through these sponsorship meetings. It's true to life, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, that's not what I'm playing NBA game for. No, no, I'm just trying to alley-oop. <laughs> I'm trying to hit those three-pointers from the opposite baseline. Yeah. You know, <laughs> by pressing one button yeah. and holding it for the right amount of time. I don't want to, you know, have a really sophisticated dribbling sort of mechanic. No, and let the luck engine take over. <laughs> Downround is now a premium podcast. Yeah. You can subscribe to our premium offering at downround.net for $7 a month or $70 a year if you're uh, bargains inclined. And you get not only the episode that you get every week, but one additional one every single week, $7 a month. It's a great bargain. We go deep on... This is a terrible (laughs) No, it's fine. Right, we go deeper on the issues. We say more crazy shit. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you want to hear us say stuff that's basically balls to the wall, maybe even illegal, maybe illegal, downround.net, you'll find us there. <laughs>